Running Light Ministry podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey, welcome to the podcast for Running Light. My name's Bo. And I'm Peter. And it's good to be back with you. It's been a while since we did a podcast, but this um, week we get a chance to hang out together, Peter. Yeah. Which is pretty good. It's pretty awesome. I know. We get to talk about some good stuff, right? Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of funny. Before we actually started the podcast, I said, hey, what's the news? What's in the news, Peter? And he said he had no clue because he doesn't (laughs) watch the news. Um, um, Anyway, I have a friend who's um, kind of on a sex education committee out here for the public school system out in Tucson. And um, it kind of made me think a little more about uh, sex education and what that's all about. And um, I think we all have those moments in school where they kind of come in and say, hey, we're going to do a sex education class. And you're kind of like, what's what's that going to be about? You know, and it's kind of embarrassing and it's kind of weird and, and everything like that. And 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 kind of with my friend being on the committee. And the committee has uh, a really wide range of different people. You have people from more of a Planned Parenthood background, uh, so maybe a more liberal approach to uh, sex education. And then you have these Christians on the committee, too, that have a more conservative view of sex education. It makes kind of you think, like, you know, how do you do sex education, like, in the public school system anyway? Um, And that's that's kind of a loaded question. I'm certainly not going to be able to answer it thoroughly in in this podcast but i thought what would be cool was talk about maybe what the bible says about sex education um and from a christian point of view you know how we look at sex education i think the first thing i look at is you know is really the bible a good source for sex education in the first place you know, or is it not? And I always look to Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. It says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may become complete, thoroughly equipped uh, for every good work, lacking nothing." And I look at that scripture and I go, <clears throat> "Hey, it seems like it's it's uses the word all. You know, all Scripture is is you know." profitable and one of those things it's profitable for is instruction i was thinking this way too you know i had a i had a a young girl about a 12 year old girl at church um at my local church our local church ask me um actually taught say hey uh bo um you know one of the things that really i um that is kind of bothers me about uh, being in junior high uh, group is that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about, you know, like guys and girls, like, you know, men and women and, you know, in, you know them being intimate. And, you know, she was saying it, but giggling and kind of laughing. And then she said something really, I thought, cool. I mean, but unique and I thought honest, too, and that is, uh, and sad in a way, too. But she says, man, it's just so icky. It's just so icky. And it's kind of weird because what she's saying is that the the Bible studies that we're doing, um, there's a lot of talk about sex in them. There's a lot of mentioning of that, and that's icky. That's really what she's saying. She's just putting it in a 12-year-old way, <laughs> you know, and she feels kind of weird about that. And 
And it's kind of interesting because one, you know, the Christian culture can be really interesting. And one minute it's very, it wants to be totally shielding uh, kids from issues of sex and and sex in general. And then on the other hand, it's like when you teach the Bible, you're faced with sex all the time. And and you have like kids that are in a Christian home that think it's icky and but yet and I'm sure the parents want them to know the Bible, but yet the Bible is going over things that they've been saying probably have is like you know, stay away, stay away, stay away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just right there. So it's like, you know, the Bible itself is so loaded with the issue of sex education. You probably could say that the whole Bible is a sex education. I mean, it really is from beginning to the end. It has so much to do with sexual relationships that it could be education on its own. You know, but I found that kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, it's super fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you know, me hanging out in the church with these kids and me being one of those kids at one point in my life, you know, of yeah. uh, never really, sex was always kind of a taboo. And yeah. for me as a 13-year-old, it wasn't, you know, and I'm sure you're the same way, Bo, that when I was in school, it wasn't that the topic of sex was uncomfortable. It was the source that was uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. like, for instance, if I was talking about sex with my friends, I thought it was awesome, you know, like we would yeah. have fun, we would giggle, we would laugh, you know, and it would be great talk about sex and talk about girls and talk about all this stuff. We would get super graphic and yeah. it wouldn't bother us at all. But when a teacher or my parents or a pastor would ever talk about sex, I became really uncomfortable because what ended up happening in my mind, and, and that was just me, I'm, I don't know how my friends really dealt with it. They were, they seemed to like be just like kind of immature, like giggling whenever <laughs> someone said anything, right. you know, in class. But um, for me, I got really uncomfortable. And the reason for me anyway was that I was never talked to about sex. Mm-hmm. And whenever anyone talked to me about sex, whenever anyone, you know, and I put this in quotes, educated me about sex, they always portrayed sex as kind of like a dirty thing, even the secular people, which is kind of weird. You know, when I went into sex education, you know, you expect them to be like, hey, sex is awesome. It's great. But instead, they were saying like, dude, STDs, you got to use a condom. Right. It, no one mentioned that it was fun. <laughs> HIV, <laughs> HIV, dude. HIV, dude. Like, no. Gonorrhea. And they're showing us <laughs> pictures. And I'm like, dude, like sex is gnarly, you know. And I, I think I told you this week that uh, when we were getting our sex education course, they told all the, all the boys that we were going to watch uh, a video of a live birth. Yeah. And all the boys were all jazzed. They're like, whoa, we're going to see a, a, a woman, you know. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. And then we, we watched the video and we're like, oh, my God. Gosh, like, it, like, it like totally freaked us out. And so right. whenever an adult, so I had this, this worldview kind of secretly built up in my mind that whenever a, an adult talks about sex, it's negative. Yeah. So it's negative. It's negative. It's negative. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. But the problem with me as a 13 year old boy is that my hormones are firing and I'm already, I'm thinking about sex all the time. You know, as a 13 year old yeah. boy, you're thinking about sex all the time. You're thinking about, you're noticing girls and they're looking really nice and yeah. you're noticing the movies that you're watching and everything like that are like coming into context. And for me, that's when I got into pornography yeah. and what I liked about talking to my peers and what I liked about movies and stuff like that 
is I felt, and pornography specifically, was I felt that it gave me the freedom to explore my sexuality without judgment, which is what I felt I was receiving from adults. And that's why I kind of went underground, per se, uh, when it came to my sexual education. I didn't want sexual education from an adult. I just kind of wanted to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And it set me up for incredible failure. And it kind of that that kind of point, uh, and I want you to continue on that, is 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 kind of important because really a big question I think you can ask today is, really is sex education needed in in the school system because pornography is free? Um, you know that's you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it really needed anymore? Or <laughs> are, are, you, can you just say to kids, hey, you know, um, most of you guys have seen porn already. So, You're let, set. Yeah. yeah You're so, set. so, you know what? It's like, you know, maybe maybe here's some just stuff to help you so, you know, you understand that there could be some dangers with it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but you know, you know, does the advent of the free porn world now you know, change the way sex education is done. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it has. You know, I, I think that um, even for me, you know, I, when I was 13 years old, that would have been 2003. So the internet was out, but it was fairly new. You know, it, it really, I think it was still dial-up at that point. Yeah, we were all like using that. 56K modems. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that that was around the time where, you know, porn sites were becoming pretty big, uh-huh. uh, the free streaming type of sites. And for me, and I don't know, I mean, maybe you could share a little bit from your background when you got sex education when you were a kid. But for me, I mean, all they really talked about was they talked about, you know, the medical, like, this is what it looks like kind of deal. And this is the dangers. This is the potential dangers and consequences. But like I said, they never really went into, you know, like uh, what I mean, like the positive nature of sex. Yeah. It's like, if you, you know? say, say you just, say you just went into a public school system and you said, Hey, I want to teach sex, sex education, but I'm going to use a book. Um, and, and you start reading the Bible, <laughs> right? And you're like, Hey dude, everything's created. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like all of a sudden we got the world and everything and there's a man and there's a woman and, and man, you don't say their names or nothing. You just t- talk about the event. You know what yeah. I mean? And you're like, and, you know, and 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 the creator says to them, you know, be one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 that means to have sex. Yeah. You know, people would be like, whoa, dude, really? <laughs> yeah. Like that's radical. Yeah. Like like we're supposed to have sex. It's like you know what I mean? Like that's we're created for that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like already the 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 foundation is a lot different than the foundation you're talking about is where you go in there and you're like scared to death or (laughs) you're like you're like it's everything's negative. Yeah. You know, everything's a real negative where all of a sudden you have this, you know, from the Bible, you would start off on a real positive. Yeah. You know, right off the bat, which would be radical because, I mean, I mean, (laughs) think of it. Junior high is probably the most awkward season for any human being ever. <laughs> you know, like you're, yeah. with, whether you're a girl or a guy, I That's bet right. if you could think of the most awkward season <laughs> of your life, I think everyone would say junior, junior high. high. That's junior why we look through the yearbooks yeah. and we're like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you want to throw those out. <laughs> dude. You're like, dude, maybe just save your senior yearbook and that's it, you know, like, cause that's, that's just such an awkward time in your life. Everybody is awkward in that season. And, uh, 
when you're when you're coming into your own and you're becoming more sexually like curious and stuff like that, yeah, there's all these stigmas against it. So what initially happens inside of the mind and the heart of a teenager is as I start me as a man start noticing females and girls, this stigma starts coming on me of like, am I a pervert? Like, am I? A, is there something wrong with me? You the answer's know? And, yes. Yeah, the answer's <laughs> obviously yes in my case. You know, but, and then, like, you know, for girls, too, especially the stigma on girls where they start noticing the dudes. And right. They start being like, Which is know, a huge – and then all of a sudden they really big, you know, problem. My slut. You right. know, that I want all these. And then – Yeah. And it kind of goes – there's all these stigmas against your sexuality kind of developing. And so what ends up happening is some kids, what they do is they just suppress – yeah. They suppress their sexual urges and they just say they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. And the reason why those kids are set up for failure is as they start having normal relationships, they are so – they almost become fearful of their sex drive. Yeah. And because they don't know how to deal with it, for me anyway, since I was fearful of my sex drive, what happens to a person like me who's naturally rebellious is there was a part of me that looked at sex as like the forbidden fruit. And it became so appealing to me. Like it drew me so powerfully, like more powerfully than any other temptation in my life was sex because I looked at it as like forbidden and wrong and dirty. And I like, I like that because I am kind of a perverted dude. But then as I grew up and as I even came back to Christianity, I still didn't know how to properly deal with my sex drive. So all I did with it is I just said, no, 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 no. So I didn't know how to look at girls right. I didn't know how to have platonic female relationships correctly. And uh, even in my dating relationships, I didn't know how to really act in those relationships. All I knew was that if I have a sexual thought, it's wrong. You know, any type of sexual thought is wrong. And that's not correct. You know, when you think about your natural instincts and urges that God gave us, it's like, it's totally, completely natural for a 13 year old kid to look at a 13 year old girl and think like, I like that. You know, there's nothing wrong or sinful about it. Mm -hmm. And when Christians don't explain that, what's happening to your kid is once again, they're, they're either going to turn out like me or they could go into this other category who basically just says, um, well, if it's wrong, then I don't want to be right kind of deal. And they just kind of delve into their sexuality. And ironically, those kids end up turning out more functional than the kids who are pressed, you know? Yeah, well, at least, at least they, at least they're learning kind of the relational part of life. <laughs> yeah. You know? They tend to be functional. And that would be the, um, the kids that we, we look at and, and the phrase that I normally hear is they blossomed early in yeah. quotes, where they blossom early, where they, they seem to be comfortable around the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And, and usually kids like that, it's like the reason why they're comfortable around the opposite sex is not because they're not sexually aroused. Mm -hmm. It's because they are, they just don't care. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh, well, this is normal and I yeah. don't care and I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. There's not this kind of stigma to it. There's not a stigma. And, and usually people who turn out that way who kind of go in that direction are usually people who grow up in secular homes and not mm -hmm. Christian homes who have just been exposed to sexuality their whole lives. Right. It becomes normal. Wrong with it. They don't see anything weird about it. Yeah. You know, which uh, probably is closer to. Yeah, certainly, yeah. certainly, certainly. I'm used to I'm more of that one where, yeah. you know, I think I, I think, you know, that in my heart, um, I always thought there was something special. I couldn't get out of the idea that maybe there was something that was supposed to be special about sex. Um, because obviously you're in a family and obviously a family is brought about through the sexual relations between two people. 
And so, you know, I, I kind of thought, you know, I think in my heart, I, I understood that sex was somewhat supposed to be special, but I did think it of it as a normal thing. I thought whenever I, I thought of masturbation, I never thought of it as something odd or something weird or or things like that, or playing with a girl, or a girl playing with me was never something weird, or things like that, so, yeah, unfortunately, you know, you go down that road of licentiousness, of just going and and serving, you know, your own flesh, you certainly feel comfortable in your own skin, so to speak, but, but you certainly run into other problems down the road, too, yeah, you know, yeah, and so I guess, I guess my whole point with all that is, is to say, like, I mean, if the goal of sex education is just to explain the dangers of sex to kids, whether you go the abstinence-only route or whether you go kind of like the more Planned Parenthood route, regardless, there's going to be this huge problem still left inside the the hearts of the kids. Where now, yeah, great, they know about the dangers of sex, um, but they don't know anything about the right way. And the point that we're trying to make is that outside of someone having a biblical worldview, how do you teach someone the right way? In fact, if I don't have a biblical worldview, then I have to assume that there is no right way. That's right. It's just whatever feels right for me is what I practice. You know, if I feel like um, homosexuality is the right way, then why not? If I feel like I'm not hooked up for monogamy, then why not? Yeah, and why why would you even... You know, even saying like we'll do things that are loving to the other person. Yeah. Well, why? Why does that? Why would you even do that? Yeah. Why does it matter? Why does it matter even that? You know, say well, loving's good. Well, good to what? Yeah. Like what is? That's a contrasting statement. Yeah. And where does that? Where do you get that kind of um, idea of absolute goodness or yeah. absolute rightness? Or, yeah. Just doesn't have know. any meaning. Right, and I think a lot of students realize that. I think they realize they're in a relativistic culture. Yeah. So when they get these things, they just kind of blow it off. You know, it's just like, oh, well, that's what's good for you is maybe not good for me, and what's good for me is not really good for you, and that's what I, that's what I hear all the time anyway. Yeah. So you know, why not? Yeah. You know, but it would be cool, I think, if you know, you just went through the Bible and you just went through the sex education in the Bible because you would grab the first thing, which is a positive that it's awesome. I think of like maybe, you know, I think of like Noah and I think of, you know, the event of Noah and and after the flood um, event and his one of his sons, um, you know, uh, sees him naked. Mm. And 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 I I see that and I and I kind of go, whoa, that's kind of an interesting event because really we're not told much about that event in the Bible. Yeah. We're just told that a son saw him nude. Yeah. Basically that's what we get from that section. And obviously there's a, a punishment for him for it. Yeah. Um but we really don't know exactly what happened. But I guess my point is is it, to be able to say to someone like to be in a sex education thing using the Bible, you could say you know um you know nudity is something that is to be cherished and special. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the Bible paints that picture. I even think of like in the Torah, in the book of um, uh, Leviticus chapter 19, when it goes over the sexual kind of laws of Israel, it, it talks about uncovering the nakedness. Yeah. And it's always using that term, uncovering the nakedness. And, you know, the idea of, 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 of course, nudity, of seeing someone in that intimate place, you know, that... Um, 
and that you you get the idea from these these events that there's something really special about it. Yeah. You know, that it was it's supposed to be something that is just very inclusive. Yeah. Um, um, not everybody's supposed to see your nudity kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's supposed to be special. There's something special about it. Yeah. You know, um, and even if you taught that, I th- I think to students, you know, that would be, you know. Amazing, you yeah. know. They go, "Whoa, dude! There's something special about, you know, my body." Yeah. And um, and it's not just to be common to everybody. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I um, thinking about that, it, it brings me back to like you know the biblical ethic, and not just the biblical ethic, but I mean, the question is, is like, okay, if that's true, you know, and you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written to the Israelites who were supposed to be the people of God. Like, how did they function and how did they educate their youth? And the answer is, it's actually really simple. Whenever you study, you know, what the ancient Hebrews did is the family was responsible for the education of the children. Mm-hmm. So you have girls who are getting married off at 13 and stuff like that, who are expected to have sexual relations at 13. And it's like, how the heck could they be ready for that? Well, the reason why they were ready for that is because their mom sat them down and they explained it to them. And they didn't look at sex as odd or strange or wrong. They always looked at sex as like a very beautiful, natural thing. It's probably because it was functional. Yeah. You know, sex really served a function. Yeah. It wasn't just a recreation. It wasn't just there a was recreation. A, there was a specific function. And obviously, in that culture, for better or for worse, a woman was valued on her childbearing abilities. And that's a point. Like, today, if you're teaching sex, sex education, really, you know, how do people look at sex today? Hmm. You know, if students look at sex as not a function of, like, procreation and family and things like that but they look at sex as a recreation as an event yeah you know as a commodity something to purchase something to own something to partake of you know that kind of thing then really your education's different too yeah you know i mean i would teach if a kid came to me and said hey i think sex is a recreation there were certain things i would share with them yeah you know i might say well hey dude you know, if you're going to look at it as a recreation, then you need to know about condoms and you need to know about, you know, anal sex. And you need and I can see why Planned Parenthood would come in there yeah. and, and say all those things. Yeah, because you're living in a culture that sees sex predominantly uh, young people, you know, as a recreation, something that we just do. Yeah. You know, yeah. where if that's the case, man, and you're looking at it as going to the park. You know what I mean? Or going to the movies. Yeah. Or going to have sex. Yeah. You know, these are your choices. I'm going to have ice cream, have Chipotle, have sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then you know, then what would you do with that? What yeah. would you do with a student like that? You'd have to warn them. Yeah. You, you better know? or else, you know, yeah. obviously the problems that we saw happen in the 60s are going to be repeated. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then and then the cool thing that I, I like about the Bible is that the Bible certainly never says that sex is wrong. I think you, you touched on that really well, just the idea that the opening chapter of the Bible deals with sex as being beautiful. The biblical understanding of sex is not that it's wrong or icky. The biblical understanding of sex is that it is good, and it is so good that it's actually holy, special, set apart, sacred, reserved. Um, and that's the view of it. Yeah. And that's really important to 
illustrate to people because I, I you know I hear all the time you know of uh, pastors and things like that talking about sex of like hey you know if you have sex outside of marriage or whatever you're going to ruin your life and and all these things and when I listened to that in high school I was like really you know because I got a lot of friends that have sex outside of marriage and they seem to be doing <laughs> fine you know and right. i know a lot of they're quite they're, happy they're really happy and <laughs> there are a lot of marriages that right. are like in the world that yeah. clearly they had sex before marriage and they've had multiple partners and they seem to have a healthy marriage and they seem to be doing great you know so is that really true and and the answer that a christian should give is absolutely it's true of course of course if someone is an atheist or a buddhist or a hindu or a muslim or whatever they can have fully functional sex lives and they could be very very happy in a monogamous relationship or in a in a non-monogamous relationship with multiple partners of course they could be very happy god designed it to be enjoyable it's not like he designed it to be enjoyable only if you follow him it's a common grace it's given to all man it's just like eating drinking breathing mm -hmm. everybody has it what a christian says is that sex is most enjoyable within the confines of christ because we've given our lives to him mm -hmm. that's all we say is that sex is at the utmost of its glory and holiness within the confines of belief in Christ mm -hmm. and, and to his glory. Um, that's what we believe. We do not certainly believe that no one else can enjoy the gift. Everyone can enjoy the gift. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As, as created beings, you know, w you know, we certainly um, share in, in God, you know, meaning God himself is a joyful being and, and himself father son and holy spirit within his own unity he's mm -hmm. joyful so he creates uh, a small unity in sex man and woman you know so certainly enjoyable i like i want to touch back though on the thing you were talking about the the mom talking to the daughter yeah. you know meaning she was sharing you know sex education with the hebrew girl you know at a young age obviously yeah you know what we would consider probably late elementary school early junior high for sure she yeah. is already getting pretty knee deep in her sex education because she's already going to be married off here you know at, at probably in the eighth grade ninth yeah. grade you yeah. know what i mean so it's like you know she needs to know about these things she needs to know about her body she needs to know about but she understands sex as being a function of the society and i think that's probably where we lose a lot of kids where a lot of kids just, I think just don't see that, you know, today they don't see the importance of sex as being a function of society. Yeah. Technology's played a big part in that, you know, through technology, you don't need traditional families are not needed per se. Um, you know, you can have, you can have polyandry, polygamy, uh, same sex, it doesn't matter. You can have any kind of situation in, ma in, in marriage or family or whatever you want to say, and and you can have children. And, you know, you can have, because of through technology. So it creates really like, you know, you know, a real kind of breakdown in that functionality, yeah. you know. Because now it's now it really you know you go to a girl and say well you you really got to prepare to be married because you know that's how we that's how we perpetuate us as a family and we need that because we have this land and we have to we have to grow crop on it and that's how we live and so it's all functionality yeah where today it's not like that at all yeah you know yeah today children are seen as a burden right so it's like you know after I 
you know, live a lot of time in my marriage and after I have my fun with my wife, you know, then we have a kid and things slow down and it becomes a bummer, but that's okay because that's kind of like what you do. You yeah. It's kind of like what you do, but there's no, once again, just like the joy in sex is gone, the joy in child rearing has also been taken out of the public eye as well, mm-hmm. that there is real no joy. And, and once again, when you get into the Bible, you get a very different perspective. Yeah. Where you see like Solomon talking about how they're the the children are like quivers and I mean arrow in your quiver and and how it's just like a beautiful wonderful thing you know that that God made the two one why because He desires a godly offspring you know that there's yeah. this wildly positive view of having kids and raising them up in the knowledge and the truth of God yeah and that's totally been lost in our society yeah and what's and and people might say well that's just the way the you know, that's just your perspective. And, and yeah, it is. But you got to understand the biblical perspective is one that the unit uh, of man, woman and child is a reflection of God, mm-hmm. meaning God's creating. And this is what's unique about Christianity and is that God is the first cause, meaning man, woman and, co- and child um, aren't just randomly created. God has made it so a man would go into a woman and that through the woman would be the offspring because it it's it and they would become one family because God is one. He's one of a unit. And so only the Christian theology really gives reason to why the family functionality is is the way it is in the history of mankind. Yeah. You know, where no other God, whether it's Islam or any Mormonism, monastic gods or monistic gods or meaning just one and one like God's on a throne sitting somewhere and he that's where he's at like one you know Christianity says God is one of a unit father son and holy spirit and he has fellowship beautiful fellowship within himself mm-hmm. and that man woman and offspring are all a in a sense a picture of God it is is to be the main reason so when someone says i don't understand the trinity I always kind of go, well, man, dude, the whole, our whole life, our whole society, our whole families are all built off of it. It's right there. Yeah. You know, father, son, we're all under one roof. We all, you know, we all have one name, you know, but we're different people, but we're all part of one. Yeah. You know, man is from woman, woman is from man, and child is from them both. Yeah. I mean, it's really unique. Yeah. You know, but that's but that but that uniqueness of, of a family is because of the uniqueness of God. Hmm. God is unique. Yeah. You know, so it makes sense. Hmm. Why would God, a monistic one God, like one as in just one, no unity at all. Why would one God create unity? Yeah. You know, why would everything he creates be unity? Yeah, we probably just bud off each other just asexually just that's right that's that's right a monistic <laughs> god would create some kind of asexuality where we would we, we it wouldn't be the way it is yeah but god created it a special way because he's a special being yeah so that, that again that we as christians we view all things to the glory of god meaning that we believe that everything that he created in the way he created it reflects a nature of his glory that's the nature right of his beauty so even Sex and marriage, obviously, as a reflection of who he is, a, a reflection of uh, how he functions so that we can glory in it, so we could understand God a little bit better yeah. as his creation. And that's what, again, for the Christian, that's what makes sexuality 
and child rearing and marriage so special to us mm-hmm. that you see why why I called it a little earlier as a holy thing. Um, I mean, you can't get much more holy than something that reflects the very nature of God. Yeah. You know, that's very holy. And that's something that, once again, I never heard. Yeah. No Christian ever told me that. He never, no one ever told me before I was 22 that, um, that sex was holy. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. I always thought that sex was secular, meaning it belonged to the world and God allows it because, hey, you need to procreate, I guess, but it's definitely not something he's jazzed about. And uh, that's just not true. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, going back to students, you know, in a in a public school system, I would imagine that if you if you asked them like, do you equate sex with porn? I would think a lot of them are going to go, yeah, yeah. You know, I would imagine half of them at least would go, yeah, yeah. You know, like porn is sex, yeah, and sex is porn, yeah. You know what I mean? And and so you know, you already have. You're you're already in a in a in a you know teaching a lot of kids that that think of sex as not a real function of the family per se, but more as a recreation, mm. and you know and they're watching you know you have a society that allows free pornography. Yeah. It's it's unregulated. Yeah. So I mean you know if you're going to do anything and, and and it's important obviously we get from the bible that you know sex education certainly would have been taught by the families yeah. you know um and it's i think it's important today that families be the primary source of sex education teach you and, and i was thinking about that this week cuz um a topic and and you you know where it comes from but a topic came came up to me this week of uh you know books on child rearing and 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 things like that and uh, the thought that I had was, you know, back in Jesus' day, pretty much no one read, you know, <laughs> yet they seemed to be doing just good raising their kids and stuff like that. So, like, yeah. where did it come from? My first thought was, like, well, it must be natural. And I was like, well, that's not true because there's a lot of people who just try to go off instinct and child rearing and they suck, <laughs> you know. So that, that can't be true. And I, I thought of it. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that, like, no, the, the ancient cultures, the ancient civilizations were very close-knit. And yeah. so they educated one another and they helped one another. That's where we get the <clears> saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. That you need a community to help you and to encourage you and to show you how things are. We in our Western civilization are so proud, we're so arrogant, that I would rather read a book called Child Rearing for Dummies right. than go up to my parents and be like, hey, you know, my kid is staying up all night you know what could i do to help out you know i would rather just buy a book and read it in the secrecy of my house or as a kid i would rather just view porn than to suffer the embarrassment of going to ask somebody about it yeah you know and the reason is because we've we've again we've set up all of our walls of technology and all these different things so that people don't feel comfortable in humility asking questions and yeah. i mean the, the convicting question that i guess i would have for the parents is do you believe that your kids are comfortable enough with you to ask you a humbling question like that yeah to go up to you and be like huh you know and, and i think about like you know well when most parents are asked you know where do babies come from what do they usually say you know that's where we get the whole story of the stork right. that we're so uncomfortable asking we gotta make up cool we birds make up something about a bird and, and doing <laughs> Like, I don't know what to do. That's my right. kid's starting to ask me about sex. What do I do? And and my initial thought is like, why don't you just talk to him? 
Right. Dude, if, you're, if you're not yeah. comfortable talking to him now, what makes you think that when he's 13, all of a sudden you're going to be ready to do it? Yeah. You know? And it's, it, I mean, you know, I've had, I mean, I I've obviously have a 21-year-old, 15-year-old, and one daughter, one, one son. And, you know, and... You know, it's funny, no matter, I mean, I think of their dad, you know, their dad, who's like knee deep in these issues all the time, you know, just this is his life almost, you know, it seems like is this kind of sex stuff. And, um, you know, and we, we, we think we're pretty open, but I do think there's something, there's something um, within even the framework of the culture um, meaning even though my home might be a place that's safe, and I do believe that when the chips are down, my kids can come to me or come to my their, their mom and ask those hard questions and, and talk about sex and talk about, you know, their penis or their vagina or things of that nature, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I do think there's like this overall, you know, that I think what... what I, overall prudeness if you will or some kind of some kind of thing that hits the culture that that says like sex bad everything bad <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but it's not so much just in my house it's just everything everywhere you know what i mean um you know where you know there's such a there's such an argument on both sides you know where you know and and they're so the polarities are so great so i think any any kid that's growing up in the culture itself sees both sides, meaning one side's like, hey, man, just go experience what you need to, you know, that kind of thing. You'll figure it out. And then there's this really flip side of like, no, man, no, man, no, no, it's going to mess you up. Yeah. And and maybe that's that's kind of some of it. But it, it, it seems like, you know, all kids, you know, kind of are raised and they kind of have this notion, too, of like, man, you know, like you know kind of like freaked out to talk to to parents about it i don't know too many kids that just feel like naturally like yeah let's talk yeah. about the penis and the vagina let's get into it yeah you know that kind of thing it takes parents to really exercise you know um you know uh dialogue you know with them and say hey it's okay to talk about those things and you know hey have you seen porn or do you know what porn is you know johnny and you know yeah porn is you know you know there's all kinds of porn <laughs> you yeah. know but you know you know just open up that kind of dialogue yeah you know where where then you could see where they're at yeah you know and then you know obviously using the bible you would be able to <clears throat> talk about how sex can is awesome yeah and how god's pro sex and everything like that yeah. but but it seems like just kids in general, just that's something that we've all struggled with. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, talking to parents about it. Yeah, talking to anyone about <clears throat> it. You know, like I said, I mean, I would much rather. And that's why we're seeing like an uptick in kids going to pornography for their sex education. Because yeah. it's like, that's kind of a comfortable, <clears throat> safe place. Very safe. For me to, to learn about my body and to learn about the opposite <clears throat> sex and to learn yeah. about, you know, sex. Because even, uh, I even think about, you know, talking to my peers like yeah i felt comfortable talking openly with my peers but you know when i felt really uncomfortable is when they started talking about things that i didn't know and i didn't want to seem like the idiot you right know, the person who no. didn't understand like oh yeah i totally know what that means and yeah and so what do you do you go on the internet and you look it up you know that's well, right what, what does this mean and you, you figure it out so you educate yourself and unfortunately the education you're going to get there is not going to be the one that you probably want your kids getting so yeah. the, the question is is like well it's since it's natural your kids are going to be curious. They're going to want to know. And what source do you want them to have? Yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, when you talk about 
absence-only education. It doesn't matter. If, if absence-only education makes it into the schools, well, it's great, but it's still not education. You're not talking about sex. You're just talking about how not to have sex. Right. You know, that's not yeah. education. Yeah. Uh, they're still going to want to know, well, what is sex? How do I have sex? Yeah, and I, I think it's kind of, you know, and, and to me it's like, I mean, I mean, God, just on the really bare kind of animalistic, you know, foundation here, I mean, you could bring two dogs into a classroom <laughs> and say, this is sex. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and, and all kids understand that, that there's reproduction yeah. that takes place. By the time they're in junior high, they've already looked, they've already learned a little bit about reproduction. They've already seen their dogs probably trying to, you know, hump something or things like yeah. that. And mom, what's he doing? You know, oh, he's you know, a little excited, you know, yeah. kind of thing. But those type, and then your body's changing and then everything's happening, you know. So, you know, I think you make a good point in that, you know, if you're going to do sex education, you have to talk about reproduction. You have to talk about your your body, and you have to talk about how it works and things like that. I think where it gets tricky is again is like you know, do you mention condoms? Do you mention you know anal sex? Do you mention these type of things? And this is where I think the Christian culture struggles in most. Peter is I think they go, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want my kid to 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 hear that. Yeah. The only thing I would say to those parents is that is that because, you know, pornography is free and it's unregulated um, in the culture, your kids already potentially, you know, seen this. And the percentages are are pretty, uh, pretty amazing on how many kids have seen already group sex or things of that nature. Yeah. So, you know, they might have already come across it um, and that type of thing. And, you know, so so. You know, you know, they've already might seen the act itself without protection, mm. you know, and w- without any caution. Yeah. And and again, you're you're dealing in a public school system with kids that are, you know, from all walks of life. Mm. And and but all of them in a really secularistic, materialistic, humanistic culture, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways with a very. And a very highly religious culture, too, in a lot of ways, all meshed together. So you have, you know, you have, in a sense, the worst of both of those worlds, you know, kind of together in a classroom. Yeah. And I just wanted to, I know we got to wrap up. I just wanted to touch on one last thing that I I view as another kind of failure when it comes to this type of education within the church. And that is... um, when we're talking about sex, you know, uh, if if all I tell a kid is just wait till you're married, wait till you're married, wait till you're married, wait till you're married, the unfortunate thought that's going to go through that kid's head, um, which is a problem that you and I see all the time when we're dealing with married couples within the church, is that there's this idea that like, oh, if I wait till I'm married, then God's just going to bless my sexual union. Right. And what most people believe that means is that if I wait till I'm married, the first time I have sex is going to be amazing. Right. You know, it's right. Just, Dynamite's going to go off. Yeah. Fireworks. Fourth of July. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> Everything's going to come natural to me. I'm just going to figure it out. And, yeah. and the unfortunate thing that happens there is that what you've done is you've taken legalism and you've expected God to just bless you as a result of it. And you don't understand that like everything else in marriage, sex is a learning process. And there's no shame in that. Like, there's no shame in having a learning process with your spouse. Yeah. That it's not just going to click. 
Mm-hmm. And because of that, I feel like there's so many Christian couples that are disillusioned to sex. You know, the the girl and the guy. You know, the the, the woman might even come into sex, and she's uh, uh, maybe she's gotten really negative views of sexuality. You know, being a woman of just like you know hearing all the time like, hey, women aren't visual creatures, and 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 women, you know, they don't really enjoy sex the way a man does, and so they they get into sex, and there's ex- this expectation on them of just like this is just service to my husband, right? You know, and yeah. I'm not going to enjoy it at all, and that's okay. You know, and the husband has this idea of like, okay, well, you know, this is uh, this is my time to shine. This is my thing. This, <laughs> this is my, my deal. Thing, you know, that's and, right. And, this know, is what I mean, this is what's going to prevent me from going and cheating porn. on her, yeah. or cheating on her, <laughs> or cheating you know? on her. Yeah, yeah this like is a physical adultery or something. This is where it's at. You know, and and obviously both are just wrong. That's just not true. Uh, the way that God designed it, obviously, Eve was pretty into Adam. And Adam was pretty into Eve when they had sex. And there was this idea of, again, of desire and longing and passion. And it was beautiful in God's eyes, you know. And you see in Song of Solomon, they're not just having, you know, what we as Christians would view as just like normal sex. You know, they're having pretty risque things are happening in the Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. But it's seen through this lens of, beauty and love and understanding and protection and and protection yeah and and all these contexts that once again they're they're not really seen as necessary or good in the secular mindset you know like those things well hey you know you may like your safe whatever sex or whatever but you know me and my partner we like having you know violent sex and what's wrong with that i enjoy it you know right um, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's it. And it's just the loop. We've gone the loop now. It's like if if you don't have, uh, you know, a objective morality, then then you know all bets are off. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, but it's an interesting topic. It's one that maybe we'll touch on another day. Yeah. And we certainly, you know, pray for our friends that are on the those committees that are. Uh, you know, trying their best to kind of manage through it yeah. in our in our in our town, you know, yeah. in our city and stuff like that. And that's that's a difficult, I would imagine, thing to maneuver, yeah. you know, for sure. But anyway, it's been great uh, being on the podcast. If you guys want to check us out, go to runninglight.org. We'll check you guys out next time. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series: Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.